<clears throat> Our title this morning um, is called Who Are You Becoming? And we just welcome those who are now coming on and live stream as well, because there's other people watching who aren't with us. That's quite amazing, isn't it? And we don't know where they're from, but we welcome them this morning. And uh, our, our title, as I've said, is Who Are You Becoming? See, God wants us to become more like him. That is the plan. And David wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when he wrote Psalm 17, verse 15. He said, As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. So he knew that one day he was going to he was going to be like Jesus. That's the plan that God has always had. Right from the Garden of Eden. He made the man and the woman in the image of God. And if we had seen if we had seen Adam and if we'd seen Eve back then, we would have been we would be astounded. Uh, because Adam and Eve were perfect at the beginning, God made them perfect. They were made in the image of God. They were something else. We are the fruits of fallen humanity. And we carry that even in our appearance. And yet God's plan is that God wants to restore us to be women who look like him, to be women who are going to bear his image in this world. And we can only start to become that now, but there will be a coming day where we will actually be like him. As he is, we will be with him in heaven. That's quite astounding. And I wanted to read to you just something that C.S. Lewis said. Because the other side of it is, God wants to restore us to be like him. But the enemy wants to even make us more fallen and to destroy us to look more like him. And here's what C.S. Lewis wrote. He said, The dullest and most uninteresting person that you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship. Or else you would be seeing a horror and a corruption such as you now meet perhaps only if you meet it at all in a nightmare. He went on to say there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations and cultures and arts and civilizations, these are mortal and their lives is ours as the life of a, of a and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. In other words, everything else outside of humanity is just like the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub and exploit. And we are to become immortal horrors or everlasting splendour. I think sometimes we forget the call that's on our life. But the change has to start now and it starts at the moment of salvation. When we invite Jesus to be our saviour, we recognise that he died for our sins. That he paid the price to save us from becoming an immortal horror. When we realise the price, the terrible price that Jesus paid when he went to the cross and took our sin in his own body on the tree. When he paid that price, he paid the price not just to get us to heaven but to restore us to become like him, to look like him. And David caught something of this. 
because he wanted the change to start now. He wanted to be changed in this life and he knew that one day he was going to wake up and he was going to realise that he was, he was just like God, that he had been restored to the original beauty and image of God that God had always planned for him. And I would love this morning that we could have an awakening, that we would awaken to the fact that God has more for us and that God wants us to be changed. I mean, David wrote in Psalm 24, verse, Psalm 27, verse 4, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. What for? To behold the beauty of the Lord. Because as we look into the face of the Lord, the Bible says we are changed from one level of glory to another. And we can, we'll read that in a moment in 2 Corinthians 3. And David said that he wanted to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So he wanted to look at the face of the Lord all the days of his life. And he wanted to hear, he wanted to inquire, and he wanted to hear the voice of the Lord. And he said, further on down that, that psalm, David said, When the Lord said, Seek my face, my heart or my soul, your soul, your mind, your will and your emotions, David's mind and will and emotions responded to God's call. And he said, Lord, you're... you're Face, your, your, your face will I seek. Seek you my face, the Lord said. David responded, your face, Lord, I will seek. And so this morning, we're starting off this morning with this idea that God wants us to become more like him, that salvation is just the start. It's a wonderful start. It's a glorious start. It means we're going to be with him for all eternity. And if you haven't made that start, if you haven't invited Jesus to be your saviour, if you haven't had that personal moment where you received him to be yours, then you haven't even started on the journey. But for those of us who have invited Jesus into our hearts as Saviour and Lord, we are on this journey of life and God wants us to be changed and to become more and more like him. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, When one turns to the Lord... The veil is taken away. Do you know before you trusted Jesus, there was a veil over your face and you didn't even know that you needed Jesus as your saviour. You didn't even know that you were in danger. But the moment you turn to him, that veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit, it says in 2 Corinthians 3. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Oh, for liberty to know him better. Oh, to get rid of this religious stuff that ties us up in bondage. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And it goes on to say in verse 18, But we all, when our faces are unveiled, we behold him as in the mirror. We behold the glory of the Lord. And we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's the journey that we're on, of beholding his face, of hearing his voice, and of being changed from glory to glory. And this is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how David was on this journey. This was the longing of his heart. He wanted to be a man who looked more like God. He wanted to be a man who reflected the image of God. And it all started in the Garden of Eden. And it all fell apart in the Garden of Eden. And as you look around you in the world today, you'll see those who are becoming more like Christ and you'll see those who are becoming more and more like the satanic evil and depravity that we see around us. And we're either going that way 
are we going this way? And praise the Lord, we're all here this morning because I believe we want to go God's way. We want to be changed to be more like him. So over last week and the week before, we were looking at how David, in his desperation, his life was under threat. Were you ever afraid of premature death? Well, that's what David was struggling with, premature death, because the enemy, Saul, was throwing spears at him to destroy him. And so we saw over the last couple of weeks that David had to run away from Saul and he had to run. And last week we looked at how he ran. First of all, he ran to Samuel for help. Then he and Samuel went up to the prophets. Then he went on to Jonathan. Then he eventually found Ahimelech the priest. We didn't read it last week, but I want to draw your attention. If you read this when you go home, you will see that when David, 1 Samuel 21, verse 7 to 10, when David was trying to get help from the priest, there was a man called Doeg, who was a servant of Saul's, who was standing by watching. Just want to throw that wee, that wee fact in there because we're going to come back to that. And then after David had run away from the priest, remember he had got the sword of Goliath and he thought maybe that'll help me against Saul and he had run to the Philistines and then he realised that the Philistines weren't going to help him and his life was in danger and remember last time we saw he actually pretended to be insane so as to make his escape from the Philistines and then eventually he arrived at this cave of Adullam which was going to become a place of safety for him. Many times in the Bible from here on in you'll see the cave of Adullam being referred to as the stronghold. See, God wants to get us to the stronghold. And our stronghold, of course, is Christ. It says in Nahum 1 and 7, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who are trusting him. Do you know, God wants you to just trust him because he wants to be your stronghold. And he wants you to know you're safe when you're trusting in him. He is your stronghold. Zechariah 9 and 12 says, Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Are there some of you this morning and you've been so hopeless and you've felt that things have been going so long for so long that you've been coming into a place of feeling hopeless? God says, look, come on, get back to the stronghold because you know what? You're a prisoner of hope. You can't do anything else but hope in me. If you belong to Christ, you're a prisoner of hope. He'll pull you back into a place where you'll hope in him again. The enemy wants to snuff out hope. He wants you to get to a place where you think there's no, there's no future. But the Lord says, you're a prisoner of hope if you belong to me. And so we see that David was in a place that was a stronghold to him. No wonder David wrote in Psalm 18, verse 2, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. David said, my, the Lord is my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So said David, I shall be saved from my enemies. Do you see how when he got to this place, he found a place of shelter. Do you see how hope was rising up in David's heart? He also wrote in Psalm 62, verses five to eight. He said, my soul, he's speaking to his mind, his will and his emotions. You'll find that David does this an awful lot. He speaks to his mind, his own mind and his will and his emotions. And we need to do the same. There's some times when we're feeling down, we need to speak to our soul. And here's what David said. He said, wait silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. 
He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defence. I shall not be moved in God as my salvation and my glory. He is the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. David knew what it was to talk to himself, to self-talk and to remind himself of who God was and how God loved him and how God was going to be that strong, God was that present stronghold for him and that God was his defence and God was his shield and God was going to take him out of those difficult times in his life. You see, God was still in control. God hadn't forgotten David and you know what? He doesn't forget you. But we need to remember this man Doeg, Doeg was actually standing in the presence of the priests whenever David was there. Do you know Doeg is, we're going to see, he's a, a kind of a picture of Satan lurking in the shadows, looking, looking and studying us to see how he might discourage, how he might destroy us. And this man Doeg was a servant of Saul and we're going to see that, that, that the enemy Satan used this man to, to, to do great damage to the kingdom of God. We do have an enemy, but we don't have to be afraid of him because you know what? We have a stronghold and our stronghold is Christ. He is the one that we look to. Now we're going to look at what happened from here on in. I want to read to you from, from 1 Samuel 22. And we're just going to read through a few verses and see what actually happened. And how even at this stage in his life God was changing him. Because do you know what? We as women who know and love God, we're on this journey of being changed. And stuff happens in our lives and we get ourselves into difficult situations. But out of the worst of those situations, God wants to change us to make us more like himself. To change us to become more like Christ. Here's what it says in verse 1. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down to him there. The first thing I wanted to say was that God changes us whenever we're comforted. You'll begin to see a change in David. It seems that the comfort of having his own family around him seemed to settle him a little bit. And knowing that he was safe and that God was with him and, and reminding himself and speaking to his own mind and his will and his emotions that God hadn't forgotten him, that he was safe with God, that he was in the stronghold, something seemed to shift in him. I love this, um, this Psalm 131. It's just kind of tucked in, and we don't often read it, but there's a, just a verse in it I wanted to read to you. And it's obviously written by David, and it's obviously David's experience at some stage in his life. Here's what David said. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Oh, he said, Israel, hope in the Lord. You know, I sometimes, as I read that, I sometimes think, I wonder, was that what he experienced when he arrived at the cave? Did he start to talk to himself? Did he start to remind himself of how much God loved him? Remember, he had been writing songs out in the hills where he was a young child. He had been praying to the God of his salvation. He knew this God. He had looked up into the stars at night and he had been, he had been inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the Psalms. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes to meet me to lie down in green pastures. He knew there was a place of safety, there was a rest, that God was with him even as he went through the valley of the shadow of death. He would have known all of that. It seems to me that he was reminding himself like that. And as he reminded himself of God's truth, he was quietening his soul. His soul was becoming like a weaned child. What an amazing picture of how we, when we're going through turmoil, 
how when we remind ourselves of who God is and how he loves us, that actually our mind and our will and our emotions, that's, isn't that what we all struggle with? We can actually be quietened in God's presence. As we remind ourselves of who God is and how he loves us, and we can find a peace and a quiet in our soul, even in the worst of situations. And it seems to me that God, we don't really know why all of his family, his brothers and, and extended family arrived. It could have been that they were feeling a bit intimidated because of their association with David. Maybe they were also afraid of Saul. I don't know, but you know, God brings a quietness to us in comfort. And it seems to me that in this situation, David was comforted when his family came around. Isn't it amazing that God sometimes in this life can just bring people to us at that moment where we're all churned up? We're all annoyed about something, and he just brings, maybe it's a family member or even a, a church family member or a friend, he just brings someone along at the right time to comfort us. And of course, he comforts us through the Holy Spirit. And when we are comforted by the Holy Spirit, something begins to change in us. We begin to, even our countenance begins to change because we rise up. And I see David at this point beginning to come back into, out of this place of insanity that we saw last week where he was out of it. God's bringing him into a place of quiet. And he's brought him to the cave. And then the next thing we see in, in the next verse is that those who were distressed and in debt and discontented all arrived on David's doorstep. It says in verse 2, everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to David. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. You got to, we've got to remind ourselves that God had already sent Samuel to anoint David to be the next king. But it was going to be a long way away. Do you know, I know that there are many words over your lives. I know that God has encouraged you, he's spoken to you through the scriptures. I know you're holding on to promises. I know that you believe God's going to do many things in your life, but you know, sometimes it doesn't just happen right away. Sometimes we've got to go through those difficult times before we actually get to that place where we see it happening. And you know, these people were being drawn out from all over the place. I don't know where they came from. I mean, can you imagine all these discontented people, all these people that were in debt up to the eyeballs, all these people who were in absolute distress, all landing on your doorstep? I mean, how would you fancy that on some Saturday evening when you're just about to pick your feet up? These people arrived on his doorstep. But you see, God was going to train David to train them. And these people were, were going to become really high, highly trained, excellent, excellent soldiers. They were going to become highly trained men of war. And they were going to be devoted to their captain. And when I think of that picture, it reminds me of how we, all of us, because we were born into this world, away from Christ, because we were born in sin, at that moment of salvation, we came with our distress. And, and many times since we've become a Christian, there's been many times where we've experienced distress and we've made our way to Christ and he is a captain. And those of us who were in debt, and all of us were in debt in sin, we, were, we, we owed a great debt because of our sin to God. But you see, we came to him, we found him. And so we're just like these, this motley crew that came out to David. We came out to Christ. We were in debt. We were distressed. We were, we were dis discontented without Christ. And we all made our way to Jesus. 
Isn't that right? And, and you know what? He saved us. The moment we came to him, he saved us. But you know what? The Lord is training us and wants to train us to become highly skilled women of war. Do you realise that? Do you realise that it's not just saying, I've got a ticket and I'm going to heaven, but actually God has a plan and a purpose. And through the difficulties and the hard knocks of life, and through all those things that you don't understand, God is actually training you and shaping you up to be a soldier of Jesus Christ. And it's going to be for this life. But who knows what, how it's going to equip us for the next, when the Lord sets up his kingdom. Who knows what all of this training is going to do us and how it's going to equip us for the purposes that he has, for the purposes that he has for us, for, the, for, the, for his kingdom. Who knows? But it's so important that we realise that we are to be trained. That is God's plan for us to be trained. And that's why, that's why in 2 Timothy 2, it, Paul wrote, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has enlisted him as a soldier. Do you know that we are soldiers? Remember that we song we used to sing? I'm a, what is it? I'm in the army. Oh, by the way, march with the infantry, shoot with the cavalry. Remember that one? There's a lot of truth in that. That's exactly who we are. And God wants to train us up to be sharp shooters. God wants us to be changed and be transformed, to look more like Jesus, to speak more like Jesus, to hear from heaven and to be aligned with heaven and to be able to agree with what's going on in heaven, to see it coming to pass on this earth. I had a, at half past six this morning, I had a text came in from a friend of mine, um, who had been awakened this morning at half past four. You see, God wants to speak to us. He wants to alert us that his time is drawing to a close. God wants us to realise that he has a plan and an agenda for this earth, for heaven and earth. And my friend, was, I'm going to read to you what she said to me this morning. <clears throat> if I can find the beginning of it here. She said, I was awakened... <clears throat> that I don't normally share these kind of things but earlier this morning at 4.30 I woke having heard a distinct alarm clock like beeping nothing at all like the actual tone of my alarm but it was as clear as a bell in my spirit God sometimes wakens me around this time to pray about things but this was different as I continued to pray I heard the words Sound the alarm in Zion. Recently I read part of Joel 2. And I need to read it again. So we, we actually read that chapter in the prayer room this morning. She went on to say, it's very hard to explain this. But I believe something happened this morning and God wants to get our attention. The divine alarm clock is ringing in this season. It's time for the church to awaken, arise and shine. There is a divine alarm going off to spring us into action. She went on to say, she sent me two or three texts back and forwards this morning, but she actually said that it was so clear that it, it woke her up. She said, Maureen, it actually woke me. And then later on, she got a text from another friend, from David Legg actually, just pointing out that, uh, that he was on, let me just read this to you, 
Here's what David Legg wrote this morning. Please pray for the situation in the south of Israel. Last night, IDF killed the top Hamas leader. I've just spoken to a friend who lives in Israel. He showed me footage of the rockets coming in from Gaza over their town. He has counted 67 rockets coming over there in the past hour. 11 Israeli jets are overhead. It was frightening for me to, listening on the phone to, the, to hear the explosions and the gunfire. These are serious times and we need to increase our prayer for protection over Israel and wisdom for Israeli leaders as to how to respond. The feeling is war has started. The mighty one of Israel is also our heavenly father. Warrior is also his name. Please feel free to pass this on. I'm passing that on because I believe that something is happening in our world and in the heavens. And I believe it's time for us as the body of Christ, as the bride of Christ, to be not only looking into the face of Jesus and allowing him to change us, but to be hearing what's going on in heaven. We need to be praying in these days in agreement with heaven. And God does have a plan for earth. And I'm not saying that war has started or the end times have started. I am not saying that. I'm just saying that there's stuff happening across this world. And we, as the body of Christ, I have no doubt that God is calling us and giving us an alarm signal to waken up. It's high time that we were awake and we were praying in agreement with each other and with heaven and that our ears were open to hear what God was saying at this time because God is speaking to us and he is alerting us that things are happening in the spirit realm and we know that Jesus is coming back and we know he has a plan for this world and we don't quite know how things are going to pan out but listen we need to be like David we need to be ready to be God's voice we need to be ready to encourage each other when these misfits arrived on David's doorstep when those people came those men came out and they were in distress and they were in great debt and they were discontented. When they came out to David, David wasn't able to, to sort of sort out all their problems. I know he wasn't, but he was able to talk to them about God. He was able to share his relationship with the, the, the king of heaven. And these men listened to David. And if you, read, if you read Psalm 34, and we read it last week, read it and see how he spoke to these men, how he encouraged them. Actually, I'm going to just look it up and read a couple of verses from it because he really encouraged these men to taste and see that the Lord was good. And that's exactly what happened. There was a, a shift. There was a change came into the lives of these men so that they became skilled men of war who loved and were devoted to David. And that's exactly what God wants to do for us. He wants us to taste and see that the Lord is good. David told these men in Psalm 34, blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, David said, you his saints, there is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come, you children. This is him sitting around the campfire at night with all of these 400 men and possibly many of their wives and children. It would seem to me they would have brought their families with them as well. David was speaking life into these men who had no hope. These misfits who'd come out to him. And he, here's what he said to them. Come you children. This is him around the campfire at night. Listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. David was teaching these men. David was, was pouring in words of life into them. And they were being changed. Listen. I don't know how long... All of you have known Jesus. We've all known him different lengths of time. Do you know what? I have now known the Lord. Let me just do a quick calculation. Take 8 from 71. What's that? 
what's that? 63. 63 years. I have known Jesus for 63 years. I would love to know. It'd be great to go round here, wouldn't it, and see him. Some of you would be shouting out one week. Some, some of you would be shouting out two years, five years, ten years, twenty years. Do you know what? We need to be, we need to be teaching others. Those of us who have known Jesus for a long time, we need to be putting it in what we know. We need to put it into action. And we need to teach others and speak into the lives of others. Because listen, we want to see more than the 400. We want to see the body of Christ rise up to be sharp shooters, to be mighty women of God who can fight the battle for him, who can pray. Do you know what fighting the battle is? A lot of it's praying and standing in the gap and declaring that God's purposes and plans are coming to pass. Do you know what? All that God has spoken through the prophets is coming to pass. It came to pass the first time. They didn't even recognise that he had entered this world through a virgin's womb. Do you know what? He's coming back again and he's going to come to the Mount of Olives and there's a great, there's a great future for us. And God wants us to get excited and to be women who are prepared. And so we see that these men were going to become, they were going to become soldiers. But you know what? It means, often the training means that we're stretched. Remember the word that Beth gave us way at the beginning of this year. Are you ready to be stretched? I'll tell you what, David was stretched when these 400 men and maybe half their families all arrived on this doorstep. He was stretched. But listen, he was being changed because God needed to make him a leader to 400 before he could make him a leader to a kingdom. What or who is your 400? Maybe it's one person. Who are you entrusted with? What are you entrusted with to, be, to prepare others and to move into your own destiny? God has given every single one of you gifts. And you're so gifted. You're so anointed. It's in you. And God says it's time to get up and it's time to start marching in that army. It's time to walk in what God has called you to be and to do. It's time for us. And we can go round the room and we can look and I see so much giftings in so many of you. We've all got an individual thing to do. We've all got an individual gift. Don't you be discouraged, Yvonne. God's taken care of Tabby and he's taken care of Jim. God knows everything that's going on and he is calling you into what he has. Let's stand up. Let's get enlisted in God's heavenly army. Let's know who we are and let's be ready to start marching. And you know what? We need to march in formation. It's not about one person having the glory anymore. It's about, in, it's about together. We do it together. We don't, we're not meant to be, you know, these heroic, you know, these kind of lone ranger and tonto kind of guys. <laughs> That's not what God's calling for. He's calling for the body to move in unity and in love. It's time for us to rise up and support each other and say, it's not about my name getting up there or your name, it's about us together. How can I support you? How can I lift you up? It's about us getting together and beginning to move together. Read Joel chapter 2, you'll see they were marching in formation. There was no shuffling about. They were steady. They were marching together God's armour for the end times. It's time for us to raise up. 
God changes us whenever we begin to get that fire in our bones. I believe this is a prophetic word from my friend this morning, that it's time for us to be awakened. Philip Emerson from this church was prayer walking about two weeks ago round the bottom of the, of the, of the car park there and felt the Holy Spirit come over him in a way that he never experienced before, in such a way that he was shaken to the ground. He felt that God was saying that something was shifting. Something's shifting in the heavenlies. Don't let us be like those who are asleep and aren't aware of it. Don't let us be like those foolish virgins who weren't ready, who weren't awake and having their, their oil in their lamps. Let's be those who are about our Father's business at such a time as this. Because this world is shaking and the evil is increasing. It's, I mean, the stuff that we're hearing now is so crazy and outlandishly evil. And we are, many of us are in this kind of a drifting sleep and I believe God's calling us. Oh dear, sorry. I believe God's calling us to step up. And then we see the next thing that happened to David. It says, from there David went to Mizpah of Moab and he said to the king of Moab, please let my father and mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab and they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Let me just say about this. God changes us when we step up to look after family. There's something, Jerry was touching on this in the prayer room this morning. There's something about, about really caring for and stepping up into that breach for family that really honours God. Now instead of David running around like a crazy man from pillar to post trying to get help. He's arrived at the stronghold. He's been encouraged by his own family being there. He's been encouraged as he has seen these men respond and he's becoming a captain and he's realising that God's doing something in him and that God's changing these men. And then he realises that his own family are in need and he realises that his mother and father are older now and that they need to be protected during this time when, when Saul's on the, on the rampage and so he goes back to Moab and of course, do you know what, we could just stop here now and we could just do about two, about two weeks talking about Moab because that's where his great granny came from. David's great granny came from Moab. Many of you will know her name was Ruth and she made the most momentous decision as a destitute widow to leave Moab and to follow Naomi and to say your God will be my God and she made a journey of her lifetime that she, little did Ruth did she ever imagine that her son Obed would have a son called Jesse who would have a son called David little did Ruth ever imagine in her wildest dreams that David her great grandson would sit on the throne of of, of Israel little did she ever dream more than that that through that son David that through him that she would become part of the bloodline of the family tree of the Messiah himself but you know what it all depended on her one act of obedience the step out of Moab to go after God listen don't you ever estimate how one decision can change not only your life but change history. God had had Ruth in position, and now because of that link with the past, David goes up to Moab. He goes up to a place called Mizpah in Moab, and he goes to the king of Moab and he asks him, "Can his parents have safety? Can they have asylum in Moab?" 
and, and the king of Moab, who traditionally were always, Moab was always the enemy of Israel. Now Moab, isn't it amazing how God can change your enemy and make it a place of safety? Make the person that you thought was against you to the very person who'll help you. Isn't God just absolutely awesome? And so David's parents find safety in Moab of all, Moab of all places. I'll tell you, God is a God who surprises us. Often when we think that we're working on this level of our own intellect, we have no idea what God is about. I love the fact that he went to a place called Mizpah. Do you know what Mizpah means? It means watchtower. Genesis 31, it says, The Lord watched between thee and me when we are absent one from another. I'm sure that was significant for David as he left his parents at Mizpah and left them in Moab to be safe whilst he went back to Saul. I know our time is probably, how are we we're okay just yet? So we see that David is stepping up. Can't you see, can't you see um, David uh, really expanding and st- being stretched here to be thinking of family, no longer running around afraid from pillar to post, but now taking care of family, actually stepping up. The idea came to me this week, it was like a stepping up to be like a patriarch. Patriarch is one who looks after the wider family. That's what he was doing. From, from the boy who was the, 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 the one who was sent out to look after the sheep and his brother scoffed him whenever, uh, whenever he was brought in before Samuel. The brother scoffed him whenever he went up to face the giant. Do you remember? They laughed at him. And now all of a sudden he's given this place where he's recognised as being the one who is the taking responsibility for the family. He's like a patriarchal family. And it all came about, and he, I'm sure as he went back into Moab, he was reminded, as a young boy, how often would he have been told about his great-great-grandma? You know, she made the journey, you know, she followed God. I'm sure he knew that story. I'm sure he, he remembered how she trusted God to lead her. I'm sure that made an imprint in David's mind, even as a young child. And then he goes down into Moab, and I'm sure he was reminded, this is the journey my great granny would have made. Can you just see it? And he's coming back, I wonder what she thought when she got to Bethlehem. And it brings up all of these memories. And I'm sure he remembered how, how God had brought Ruth to Boaz, and how he had connected her with Boaz, and how Boaz was linked right back into the family to Rahab, the prostitute. I'm sure all those family history was was rekindled in David's spirit as he made the journey and left his family off, left his parents down in Moab and made the journey back. And I'm sure it reminded him of the importance of, of allowing God to lead you. And then when he gets back, look at the very next thing that happens. It says in verse 5, Now the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. When Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered, now Saul was staying in Gilbea under a tamarisk tree in Ramah with his spear in his hand and all his servants standing about him. Then Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Hear now, you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? All of you have conspired against me, and there's no one who who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse. 
And there's not one of you who is is sorry for me or reveals to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as it is this day. Just want to stop there for a moment. Do you see David coming back from this journey to Moab? And as soon as he gets back, I don't know where this prophet came from. I don't know why Gad was there if God had sent him out. Maybe he'd been up in Jerusalem and God had sent him to go down to the stronghold, down to the cave of Adullam to speak to David. I don't know. Or I don't know if he had been there with David already. But God sent a prophet to give David a word to get out of that cave and to go back to Judah. A very specific word. Isn't it interesting that we've just talked about how his, his grand, great-grandmother was led by the Spirit of God to leave Moab and how, how key that was. And David immediately, he, he immediately obeys the Word of God. As soon as he gets this word from the prophet that he's to get out of the cave, that's exactly what he does. You see, it's so important that we respond. When God gives us a word, it's so important that we're obedient. obedient. When we are obedient to God, things change. We change. Circumstances change. Obedience is so important. And so we see that, 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 that God changes us whenever we are obedient to him. And when, whenever, whenever David arrived in Judah, the word went out real quick. Where was Saul? Saul was sitting somewhere with a spear in his hand, with his men, it says, standing around him. And it says that he was, did you, did you see what we said? He was speaking out to his men and accusing them. I just want to read to you what I wrote. The prophet Gad told David to move out of the stronghold. But Saul, however, when he heard the news, was sitting underneath a tree with a spear in his hand. And his men, and we're going to see in a moment, that his men included this servant called Doeg. They were standing around him. Listening to the enemy had made Saul even more paranoid and unreasonable. And so he taunted his officers and accused them of turning against him to help David. I just want to stop for one moment here and, you know, I just want to remind you because I know that most of us know this, but I think it's so important that we remind ourselves that there's a voice from the enemy that will continually speak negative words, continually speak lies into our minds. We need to know and remind ourselves that the enemy is a liar from the beginning and that he wants to speak lies that you're no good, that you can't do anything, that it's too, it's too, you're too far gone, that this one's against you and that one's against you and everything's wrong. The enemy wants to speak lies into our hearts and into our minds so as to destroy us, so as to bring us to a place of paranoia, to a place where we're ready to attack everybody because we think everybody's against us. I mean, that's basically where he wants to bring us. That's exactly where David was. He was in a place, he had a spear in his hand, the men standing around him, and he was ready just to fire at any of them because he was so full of lies. He'd been listening to the wrong voice for so long. He'd been looking in the wrong place for so long. You, you become what you're looking at. You become what you listen to. As a man thinks, so he is. He had been listening to the wrong voice. He had been looking at the wrong stuff. The enemy was lying to him continually. And David was in such a, or Saul was in such a bad place that he was accusing these men of his of being against him and, 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 and taking sides with David. And of course, when, whenever um, all of this was going on, this man, Doeg, 
speaks up. Let's just read what Doeg said. Then answered Doeg the Edomite. Uh, we could go into a whole lot of stuff about the Edomites. They were long-standing enemies of God, going right back into the Old Testament. What he was doing, being a servant of God's, I do not know. But Saul had brought in an Edomite, one who was against God, into his um, into his service. Doeg the Edomite, who was set over the servants of Saul, and he was set over the servants of Saul, he was given a place of prominence. He said, just look for a wee bit of sucking up here. This is what you call sucking up. Here's what he said. I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob, to Abimelech, the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him, the priest inquired of the Lord for him, and gave him provisions, and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. Do you see? We would say telltale, wouldn't we? He's right in there. He wants to get a bit of favour with Saul. And he's speaking up. Oh, you you're, see, your you're men, your men are useless. They'll tell you nothing, but I'll tell you. And so he speaks up and it says, Then the king sent to call Ahimelech the priest and all the Ahimelech's house, the priests who were in, and, and the priests who were in Nob. And they all came to the king. And Saul said to the priest, Here now. He answered, here am I. Then Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, in that you have given him bread and, and a sword, and have inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait, as it is this day? Ahimelech goes on to really basically say, What have I done wrong? I didn't do anything wrong. Sure, David's your son-in-law. This priest had done absolutely nothing wrong. And he's explaining to the king that he didn't. Uh, he says, Your servant knew nothing of all this. But the king said, Saul said, this is to the priest. Just look how Saul has sunk to an all-time low. The, Saul said, the king said to the priest, you, verse 8, 16, You shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. Then the king said to the guards who stood with him, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David. I want you to get this picture. All these, all these men, all of Saul's men are all standing around. And Saul is so incensed now with anger and believing lies that the enemy through this man Doeg has been filtering into his heart. He's believed the lies of the enemy. And he's so incensed that he's ordering his men to go and kill the priests of the Lord. And it tells us here that, the, that his own men would not do it. They would, they would not, they refused to obey Saul because of the fear of God. These were men who had a healthy fear of God. But guess what? Who steps up? Doag, the Edomite, the evil one in flesh, the man who was allowing Satan to operate through him. And what did he do? Doag took a sword and he killed, now you'll need to listen to this, 85 priests he killed while they were still wearing their priestly garments. There was no fear of the Lord there. And Doeg killed them ruthlessly. But you know what? One priest escaped. His name was Abiathar. He somehow escaped and he ran to David. And when he got to David, David took him in, of course. You see, the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of satanic and evil and all that is going on in the demonic realm, in the principalities and powers, you need to know and I need to remind myself 
that the enemy's ultimate aim is to obliterate God's people. Jesus said that he came to kill and to steal and to destroy. And so Saul had opened himself up to all of this evil. And he was now guilty of giving the order for this man Doag to come and to kill all of these men. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, the enemy is wicked. The enemy is one who is a liar. And Jesus said he was a murderer from the beginning as well as a liar. So Abiathar the priest fled to David. Let's just, as we wind up, let's just look at this as we finish. Chapter 22, verse 21. It says, <clears throat> it says, So David said to Abiathar, Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priest. Verse 22. So David said to Abiathar, I knew that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me, do not fear, for he who seeks my life seeks your life, but with me you shall be safe. I just wanted before we finish to compare the hearts, to compare the hearts of, of Saul and David. Saul was full of venom and anger and rage he had believed the lies of the enemy. He had opened himself up to all of that. David has humbled himself. David has been looking into the face of Jesus. He's been, he's been spending time with God. He's been hearing what God's been saying to him. And when the priest arrived and told him what had happened, do you notice how humble, how David humbled himself? Do you notice he didn't just cover over the fact that he had been I mean, really, if, if you remember the story from a couple of weeks ago, David had run to this priest. And whenever he'd got to the house of, a, of Ahimelech, and, and Ahimelech helped him and gave him the food, remember? It says, if you read it, it says that Doeg was listening and David noticed him. And David at that time must have realised, I could be putting this man's life in danger. But you know how easy it would have been just for him to cover up on that and never pass any remarks whenever a bather arrived in his door. But David was willing to take, take the responsibility and said, you know, I saw him that day. I knew. It's me that's caused it. Do you see how David's so quick to take responsibility to say before the Lord, I did wrong. It was my fault. And then, of course, he says to this priest, but he said, you know, my life, I'll, I'll give my life for you. My life for yours. And he takes him in. Do you know what? David now has got Gad, the prophet. He's still floating around somewhere. And now he has a priest as well to be with him. Isn't it amazing how when we do what's right and we humble ourselves, how God blesses us? David was losing, or Saul was losing. He'd just lost 85 priests. We're going to see later on in the story of David that whenever Saul was looking for help, he had nowhere to go to except to a witch. Why? Because he had destroyed the priests of the Lord. He was making all the wrong choices and he was becoming more and more like the enemy. David was humbling himself, was being obedient, was turning to God, was wanting to look into the face of God. And you know what? He's been changed and God's blessing him. And now he's brought a priest to him. What a blessing. We need to remind ourselves of the choices that God wants to give us. I believe God wants us to become women who look into the face of Jesus and who are not only being changed and, and, 
and transformed. But I believe he wants us to be women who are hearing and seeing what God wants to do in this world at this particular time in history. And there's a verse that's been going through my head. It's been going through my head now for a, a week or two. And I just can't get it out of it. And I just felt today that I have to actually read this to you because I do believe that um, that this is a, a verse that... Um, that God wants to, to really bring to our attention today. I'm looking to see if I can get it in this particular translation on my phone. Paul is praying that we might be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom, with insight into God's purposes and an understanding of spiritual things so that we will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord displaying admirable character, moral courage and personal integrity to fully please God in all things, bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing in the knowledge of God with deeper faith, clearer insight and fervent love for God's precepts. Remember, David loved God's word, he loved his precepts. That we will be strengthened and invigorated with all power according to God's glorious might to attain every kind of endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints, God's people, in the light. For God has rescued us and has drawn us to himself from the dominion of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption because of his sacrifice, resulting in the forgiveness of our sins and the cancellation of sin's penalty. This is what God has called us to. This is, the, this is who we're meant to become. This is the call that God has on all our lives. God wants us to become women who know him, who hear him, women who will live for him, be changed, not only to look like him, but to sound like him, to speak for him in this world. There's some other verses, you can read those when you go home. We haven't time to look at them. But here's the question as we finish. How are you being changed and into whose image? Are you becoming more like Jesus? Are you allowing yourself to become more cynical, more paranoid? Are you turning away from the comfort? Are you turning away from obedience? Are you going the wrong way or are you turning towards Christ and saying, yes, Lord, I want to be changed like you. I want to look into your face. I want to allow you to transform me. I want to hear what you're saying. I want to see your kingdom come. I want to take up my position for this end time that I'm living in. You're all here for a reason. Ethel, God has a purpose for you. You're still speaking out God's word. We're all at it. We've all got time, so long as we're still in this body. God has given us words to say. God has given us people to speak to. Kind things to do for others. God is calling us to be his representatives on this earth to walk in his image, to show his beauty, because we're going to be changed into that person that we referred to at the beginning. We're going to be restored back to the original glory, and none of us have any idea what that's going to look like. Only he knows that. But let's go on the journey right now, trusting him for it all. Father, I thank you for your word, and I ask you, Lord, that as we sing our final song, I pray that we would remember 
that you are the cornerstone and we are part of your building. We are your bride, Lord. You're our head. You are the, the head of the church. We are, we, are the, we are the body, Lord. We thank you, God, that we belong to you. We thank you for the call you have in our lives. And Lord, we want to be women who look more like you and sound more like you. God, will you just speak to every one of us as we sing this song together. In Jesus' name, amen. Pauline gave this to me earlier, and I want to read it to you. I feel it's a word for us right now. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whispers there is change in the air. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to rise and come away with me. Let us be women who will rise to the higher place woman who will keep her eyes on Jesus and allow him to change us and make us into more of his likeness, to shine in this dark world, to be his representatives, to stand for him and to speak for him in every opportunity and every, every, every place that he gives us to stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. We're here at the front if you want a prayer of agreement. We would love to pray with you. Remember, we've just got three weeks left before we split for the, for, the, for the Christmas holidays. Let's make these next three weeks three significant weeks in our lives. Because do you know what? The time is short. He's coming back. Let's get ourselves ready. <laughs>